This is Indian Noir, India's number one horror, crime and dark fantasy storytelling podcast. When he got to his unit, the first thing Tariq did was to look for the manuscript. The book that was mailed to him from France. The play he believed had thrust him into the machinations of the king in yellow. But he couldn't find it anywhere. Dejected and in need of a distraction, he pulled out the brush and pan set, the broom, the mop, a bucket full of lukewarm water the disinfectant spray and rag cloth to begin the clean-up of his residence. Perhaps it was time for him to move on. As to what had happened to him over the last few days, as to the mystery of his son's disappearance, he decided to heed Raju's spectral advice and his own son's words through the veil of reality. Stay away from the clutches of the cult of the king in yellow. Tarek was a puny ant in the true order of things, something to be squished underneath the feet of the great ruler of Carcosa. He was powerless against the cruelty of the universe, and there was nothing he could do to take the attack to supernatural forces defending the secrets of Bhangad. He avoided looking at the photos of Vipul as he engaged in his chores. His little man was gone. Tarek was convinced of that, but it still ate at him that his son might be in a place of great suffering. Tarek wiped the tears welling up in the corners of his eyes before attending to his cleaning duties with gusto. It took him a better part of the morning to get the place looking spick and span. He was too exhausted to take the rubbish down to the large bins near the watchman's gatehouse. So he had a cup of black tea, watched the rerun of a cooking competition show and drifted off to sleep on his couch. Tarek dreamt that he was waiting outside the operating room where doctors were performing life-saving surgery on his wife. The details in the dream were near perfect, like the actual event that he had lived through many years ago when Vipul was a child. The sterile hallway featured white walls, plastic chairs, stretchers, wheelchairs and fluorescent tube lights besieged by determined winged insects. He knew exactly what was going to happen. The doors to the operating theatre would open. A surgeon dressed in overalls would come out and remove his mask and express regret at not being able to save his wife. Instead, in the dream... The door opened and no one came out. Only a thrumming darkness was visible through the open door. It seemed to call out to Tarak, inviting him to peek into the abyssal shadows that reigned within. 
Tariq was mesmerized by the sight. His body obeyed the call of whatever dwelled in that gloom. He got up and moved. He entered the room. Suddenly, the blinding lights came on. The center of the room was cordoned off with surgical curtains. He could see shadows move within its boundaries. He took a few more steps before parting the green curtains. There, in the glare of surgical luminaries, lay his wife. Her torso was sliced open in half, exposing vital organs. Men in black robes stood around her. They were wrenching out the poor woman's heart with the aid of a giant pair of forceps. There was a thumping sound in the background, which seemed to increase in intensity with each passing second. A strong yank and the heart was torn from its resting place. One of the robbed men lifted the bloody shape up to the light. The organ pumped furiously, squirting blood out from the shredded valves. Another set of hands grabbed the heart and examined it. The banging sound intensified in the background. The owner of the hands that held the heart wore a yellow tattered robe and a pallid mask crawling with worms. The being turned to look at Tarek, while the other robed figures still gazed intently at his wife's dead body. The worms clustered around the mouth of the mask and formed the writhing shape of human lips. It said, It's time! Tarek woke up with a scream on his couch, and as he came to his senses, he realized someone was banging on his door. He knew from the light filtering through the curtains that it was probably late in the afternoon. Tarek got up slowly and trudged towards the door. He opened the door to the sight of his neighbor, Rishab, the civil engineer from 32A. Tarek was dreading seeing Gossip King Saket's face. So, it was a pleasant surprise to greet Rishab. Rishab was a handsome man in his early thirties. He was an admirer of some of Tarek's translated works of Jane Austen. Namaste Tarekji. This was sticking out of your mailbox and I thought I will bring it over and check on you. Rishab said handing over a few envelopes that looked like bills for electricity and water. I have been good, Tarek said with a smile. In fact, uh, I've been travelling. Oh, Rishab's face registered an odd expression. Just a few days away in Rajasthan, Tarek said. So, there was someone else staying here while you were away? Rishab asked hesitantly. Uh, no, why? Tarek said, his face clouded with concern. Well, 
I swear I heard you walking around your apartment, talking aloud, banging against the wall, crying and sometimes screaming. Uh, to be honest, it was really loud, sir. But we know you are going through a tough time. Uh, so, it's okay. The ship said. Oh no, wasn't me. The sounds you refer to must have been from another apartment. I just returned this morning and have been busy cleaning the apartment. Let me tell you, it wasn't in this good a shape before. As Tarek said this, he looked back into his apartment. To his horror, he discovered that the unit had returned to its former shabby self. Someone had pulled out all the filth he had packed into three garbage bags and strewn it back all over the floor. When he turned to face Rushab, he saw the civil engineer peering into the messy room with a concerned look on his face. Are you okay, sir? Please let us know if you need anything. We are all so sad for what happened to Vipul, Rushab offered apologetically. Thanks for the sentiment. I am... I'm fine. Just processing what happened. Thanks for this. Tarek said lifting up the envelopes before closing the door. He was shocked at the state of his unit. Did I do this in my sleep? Or did I not clean the house and dream up the whole thing? Tarek wondered. And who was making all the sound in the apartment while I was away? Have I gone mad? Did I never visit Bhangad? Tarek placed the letters on the coffee table and rushed to his bedroom. On his bed was the unpacked bag he took to Dausa, and next to it were the receipts of the train and bus tickets he had used to travel to and fro. So, I did go there. I have not lost my marbles, Tarek muttered. The curse will follow you. He remembered the words of the restaurant owner from Dausa. Tarek exited his bedroom and entered the dining room. It was then that he saw bare human feet peeking out from underneath the dining table. It was motionless. Tarek ran to the kitchen and grabbed a knife. He approached the dining table and screamed obscenities and threatened whoever was hiding underneath it. But the person did not respond. Still pointing his knife in the direction of the body, Tarek bent down and peered into the shadows underneath the table. It took a while for his eyes to adjust to the darkness, and when it did, it became clear to him that he was staring at Saked Roy's dead body. Saket, the annoying society president, the man he had punched merely days ago. Did he do more than punch him? Did he drag him into the house and... No, that's not right. He had slammed the door in Saket's face and left him there to tend to his bloody nose. 
Tarek dropped the knife to the floor and clutched at the sides of his head and wailed. Help me. Someone help me. I have gone mad. I have gone mad. He rocked back and forth, repeating the words. Help me. Help me. Help me. Then he stopped and gathered his courage to give the corpse a close look. The body was naked. Saket's neck was snapped at an odd angle and his tongue lolled out of his mouth. The body looked fresh. No, if I had killed him days ago, the body would have started decomposing, Tarek thought. This had happened recently, maybe in the last few hours. But... But how? Tarek was confused. His brain was a crucible of painful memories, discordant emotions, confused thoughts and growing terror. His sanity was about to unravel. Tarek grabbed the knife from the floor and pressed it against his own throat. This was the only way to make this pain, this madness, go away. This is what you want, isn't it? This is what you always wanted. To see me devolve into a state of utter madness. To see me sever my own head. You vile, cold-hearted bastard. You have stolen my precious Vipul away from me. Why not take my soul as well? Tarek cried. The blade had just crafted a thin red line on his skin when a voice startled him. What you are looking for is on the table, the voice said. Tarek looked up and his eyes fell on a manuscript bound in worn leather. The contents of that book shouldn't concern you at this point. All you need to know is that it is the product of a failed endeavor, the efforts of an inferior mind. Tarek did not dare look back. He knew the voice came from a ruinous place, where dark energies swirled, where time and space were not concepts that were revered. The voice belonged to the ruler of that eldritch domain. The unholy being knew only one language, the language of suffering, and its name was the suzerain of unending terrors in this cold universe. A new author and a new medium for the translation. This is what I ask of you. The voice commanded. Why? Tarek asked in a faltering voice. Because you have proven to be pliable, Tarek. You are a vessel into which an unceasing torrent of pain can be poured and you will hold its divine essence like a loyal acolyte. You are worthy of this task. Therefore, this task has chosen you. The voice said. Tarek remembered the old man on the bench in Dausa. His rambling monologue about the unfinished work. His rants about the need for a new author. A new translator. Gathering some courage, Tarek asked in a pleading tone. Who are you? The evil entity laughed. The walls of the unit began transforming around Tarek. 
the brick and cement partitions of his dwelling became the walls of Bhangad, complete with weeds growing out of the crevices, blotches of mold, chipped and weathered surfaces, and patches of moss growing around the tributaries of water damage. Even the baying of the animals from the hills around Bhangad seeped into this transformed room. You will translate my play into your tongue, so that a new generation of admirers can enjoy it. The being said, Know that your son's sacrifice was a stepping stone to this great honor. Without the taste of his innocent soul, my tentacles wouldn't have perceived your existence. Your expertise would have been lost to me. Vipul! Vipul! Tarek cried. Above Tarek, on the ceiling, a portal opened up, and through that glowing firmament, he saw the vision of a gleaming city of malevolence. The city in the dream, the city with the dead lake, the city under the dark stars. Oh, glorious Hades, oh, the waters of Hali. The voice said with regret. Tarek did not have the courage to gaze at the entity, so he looked around his unit, which now completely resembled one of the chambers he had searched in the Haveli. What is this place? Tarek asked. The king in yellow bent down and placed his hands on Tarek's shoulders. The foul corpse breath of the unholy creation assailed the translator's nostrils. The chill of its hands sent shivers through Tarek's body. It whispered into his ears, This abode of yours, this city you call home, Bhangad, this world is Karkoza. It has always been Karkoza. It will always be Karkoza. Tarek watched on in muted horror as a figure in yellow tattered robes who wore a crown made of sharpened human bones twisted into a round skeletal bouquet and a pallid mask that oozed malice stepped in front of him. The king wrenched the knife free from Tarek's hand. Then it dragged Saket's body from underneath the table effortlessly. The being skinned the corpse with practiced strokes of the knife. There was a wet slurping sound as skin was sliced off the flesh in large rectangular patches. Tarek's eyelids began receding into the top and bottom of his eye cavity. He didn't need to blink anymore. It was an affront to the beautiful mystery unfolding before him. For the first time since the disappearance of his son, a smile blossomed on Tarek's lips. <laughs> the king in yellow was done with the butchery. The ruler of Karkoza collected the dermal offerings in its open palms and extended it towards Tarek. Tarek accepted it with glee. He was joyous because the darkest recesses of his soul sang. 
he was not lost anymore. He had acquired a new purpose, a wondrous reason to live. Most importantly, he accepted his lack of choice in the matter. Tarek laid the newly extracted skin on the table and looked at it adoringly. It would make a great parchment for the king's vile song. Such was his eagerness to delve into the immortal composition, Tarek didn't bother to obtain a pen. He opened one of his veins with the knife and dabbed his fingers with the spurting hot blood that jetted out of the wound. He uttered those dreadful first lines as he wrote on what was once Saket's outer garment. The King in Yellow Act 1 Scene 1